Blog Talk Radio. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. And I am the light within your soul In the essence of truth and right Love makes the circle whole And here we stand in line Waiting for some sacred sign But to find the balance is the purpose of this time to restore the balance of the universal mind And in the presence of my Lord of light and love Everything I see aspiring to be free And when I call to thee And come on bending knee Surrender to the all-pervading light and love Reflections of the one surrounding me with love And I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Within and without, above and below, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. Without and within, below and above, yeah, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. I sense your presence. Surrounding me with love 
For to find the balance is the purpose of this time To restore the balance of the universal mind I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Shabbat Shalom Holy way of the Most High Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy way of the Most High Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy way of the Most High Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy Angel of the Most High Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence I sense your presence and thank you for joining me here on Code Connection. My name is Jessie Ann Nichols-George, and I'm your hostess today. And you might hear a little bit of stuff in the background. I'm not in the quietest space today, so I'm just going to give you that heads up. And I do realize that sometimes that means I break up a little bit, but we're just going to work through it today, and we're going to we're going to make our way through this this uh, process <laughs> challenges. Right? You got to just deal with what life throws at you. You take it, you transform it, and you make it into something amazing, and that's what we're going to do today here on Code Connection. The music you were listening to at the beginning of the show is I Sense Your Presence, and it's by Shenshai. And I want to extend a welcome to everybody that's listening, whether you're returning because you've listened to the show before and you say, hey, I really love what you're doing on the show. And, and we have some really exciting things we're going to be getting into on this show, even this fall. So you're going to want to listen up for those and also, welcome to those that are joining us here for the very first time. Maybe you saw something that interested you, and today you said, hey, I'm going to tune in, I'm going to listen, because this looks like it's going to be a great topic today. We do stream live, by the way, in three additional places, Talk Stream Live, Stream Finder, and Pen, also known as Peer Encounters Network, and I welcome everybody listening through there, as well as those that are catching our show as a podcast through iTunes, TuneIn.com, or through my YouTube channel. So um, that's all kinds of great options to share the show if you enjoy it as well. And what I do during this show is I look at living a more compassionate life by aligning with your personal life code. Many times I've got guests on the show like I do today so that you get a chance to learn about other people's work and other things that might be an option for your code energy. And I will also highlight different musical artists along the way. I've had some great artists this year. Uh, I had Woven Green, who started off the year, Jim and Ashley Cash, uh, Angelia Grace, who called in from Ireland earlier this year, Dragon's Head, um, who just had finished a tour when we did an interview with them, and I had uh, Shashika Maruth, who was on just in August, and coming up this uh, about two weeks from now, I'll have CJ Monzek on, and he plays the Pantheon Still uh, instrument, and um, that's very, very interesting. It's like a big wine saucer type disc, <laughs> and it's a lot of fun to listen to. So 
um, that's going to be really exciting as well. And then in my own work, what I do is I interpret a person's life codes to allow them to live a life that's uh, filled with compassion. I've created the Genesis Clearing Statement. If you've missed that, you can catch it in our archives. And I've authored four books, the most recent being You, Me, Life Dreams, and its companion workbooks, and my first two books, Activating Compassion and its companion workbook, as well as being a co-collaborator on a fifth book called Embraced by the Divine, which is in the process of working its way out to the market. And then I've also created what is now called the True North Tour, which is a multi-state nationwide tour, including workshops, retreats, book signings, seminars, fundraising events, all kinds of great stuff. And you can certainly follow all kinds of things through my website, uh, the, the code interpretation work, which has opened up. Uh, I did also, by the way, open up a new Facebook page just for that, as well as tour events. I have things going on on the East Coast. By the way, I'll be back in Pakistan, Pennsylvania, doing an event and taking private sessions. I will be in the Fairfax, Virginia area, just around the Washington, D.C. region, uh, doing a workshop with Jim and Ashley Cash from Morgan Green, and uh, also taking private sessions at that point, and then also uh, going on into Westford, Massachusetts, uh, to Aquarius Sanctuary there, which is a really wonderful little space. And I'll be taking private sessions and also um, doing a couple of workshops there. So it'll be a great little two-week trip in the fall. And the true north tour is all about finding your true direction and your so-called true north and to to start to move forward in, in the direction that you would like to open up to. And just a reminder, if you enjoy the show today, make certain that you share it with your friends, family. You know, I find when I share posts, there's always somebody that goes, oh, my gosh, that was an amazing show or that was something I've really been looking to connect with. And you could just literally change a life by clicking that share button. So, um, you know, take the time to do that. It only takes a couple of seconds, and they can use the same link to get into the archives as you use to come into the live show today, as well as they can catch it as a podcast again through iTunes, TuneIn.com, or through my YouTube channel. Now, before we get started on everything, those that have listened in before, know that I like to delve into uh, a little book called The 72 Names of God, Technology of the Soul by Yehuda Berg. And this is really great because Yehuda's work takes the big complex concepts and brings it into everyday life, and it kind of makes it more tangible for us in a, in a sense. So let's let's see what our message is for this week because it always seems to have a connection to it. And this week, the common name of God we're dealing with is called DNA of the Soul. And his initial message on this is. When life appears fragmented and disjointed, we can create order out of chaos, tranquility out of turmoil, and calm out of commotion by bringing everything back to its original perfect state, back to the DNA of our lives. We just didn't know it until now. And it's inevitable, right? The noise in the background is always going to accelerate <laughs> as soon as I start talking with some things. The insight that he provides on this is before time began. The infinite light of the creator was concealed in order to create a point of darkness, a space into which our universe could be born. The purpose was to build an arena where there was no light and no order, where we could, through our own efforts of sharing and choosing good over evil, create our own spiritual light. To conceal the infinite light, ten curtains were erected, 
each reducing the Creator's light a little more until a place was created that was almost devoid of light. This is our world of chaos, of confusion, and of the second law of thermodynamics, which states, among other things, that everything must eventually undergo decay and degeneration. All things must become increasingly disordered. It's known as entropy. In case you've wondered, that's why it takes about a half a gallon of water to cook macaroni and about a full gallon to clean the pot. The 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet are the instruments of creation, and they are the DNA of our universe and our soul. This name connects us to the full power of these 22 forces of creation, which is a really good thing because it brings renewal, order, and creative power to the areas in which we desperately need them. And the meditation he provides on this is, here you receive nothing less than the full impact of the forces of creation. You restore meaning to lives that often feel meaningless and purpose to a world that often appears aimless. Order returns, structure emerges, everything is tidied up. And again, the common name is DNA of the soul, and the formal name is Aleph Kot Aleph. And this uh, message, by the way, is on my page of the Main Street Universe tab on my website, josieannicholsgeorge1.com, and you can go back and reflect on that message throughout the week. And as well as another little piece, I'm going to give you the... Um, code interpretation for the week. So you can go and reflect on those, which I like to do. I like to go back, kind of grab a theme, work with it for a week, and see what I can do with it. Now, a little insight here, a little thought about where we're headed with our show today to give your mind something to ponder before we before we go on break uh, here in a few minutes and, uh, and then bring our guest on and delve into a really interesting topic today and something that I think is... Uh, Definitely got its hold on the time because we're definitely headed into some aspects of the, the feminine energy, and that is definitely becoming prevalent again in our world. So here we go. What threads do you have woven through the different areas of your life? And what wisdom connects for you, whether it is spiritual, social, cultural, or intellectual? And how does the mystical aspects of dreams work in your waking life? As much as many people try to keep the different areas of their life separate, common threads seem to be there. Sometimes these are patterns or programming that we have held on to, and sometimes it's more of an inner sense that seems to be more innate to us. And there's a wisdom surfacing a great deal these days, which is the wisdom of Sophia. And perhaps it is because we are consciously focusing more on the feminine energy as a way to balance out our masculine energy. And perhaps it is because there is something in the knowledge that comes from what some see as a goddess that is easy for them to relate to or connect with. I would say the wisdom of the energy of Sophia is similar in some ways to that of Mary Magdalene. It is one of union and balance. While Mary Magdalene helps us to find union and balance with others in the divine, Sophia asks us to find that within ourselves and to connect with sacred union of the divine that way. These teachings go on to share with us the importance of surrendering instead of fighting. This is not being done in a state of weakness, but in a state of forgiveness, an opening to the flow that leads to so many blessings that then flow through all areas of our life. 
It opens us to the interconnectedness of all things. Earl Bentham Hall, in coordination with Mary Stetson Hall, have opened up to sharing what this is about in their words on Sophia's web. His premise is that the goddess is the power by which we all are born, maintained, and dissolved. He shares his journey with this goddess, Sophia, from his early childhood years. Now, I realize that there are many traditional religions that are not ready for this thought. However, if we look at the nature of all things, it is the goddess or feminine energy of God that is the life-giving force of the universe. And we see the parallel in that, in that it is women that give birth and not men. This is the natural energy of the feminine force. It is also the feminine force of the universe that nurtures while the masculine takes the action in the world. It is really interesting to consider the aspects of how this energy has a place in every aspect of our life. And I feel that more and more we will see this feminine touch coming into the things we do and experience on Earth as it becomes more and more recognized. Just take a look at places providing more of a homey feel and family experience to them as opposed to cold spaces and white sterile walls. Are you weaving the energy of the feminine into your life? And are you able to let go and surrender in forgiveness? Are you able to see the strength of allowing the feminine to create balance in your life? The code that we have for this week reminds us that wisdom is one of the greatest tools that we have. Advancement, honor, success, victory after periods of challenges all come to us through wisdom. This wisdom comes from making wise choices, remaining determined, observation, and learning the truth from what is in your life. The wise men many years ago gave three gifts to Christ, frankincense, gold, and myrrh. And these gifts were not about the items that they were, but about the meaning and wisdom that they represented. Recent portals have resurfaced to remind us to look beyond what we see and ask questions like, What am I really receiving here? What am I really doing? And is it a time to look beyond the surface and delve into true wisdom and not just scholarly education? I'm going to take a short break, and when we return, I will have Earl and Meredith Hall with me sharing their work on Sophia's Web. And the song that I have for you during our break is called World's Cathedral. It's by Claire Hadeen, and definitely we appreciate Claire for letting us use her work on the show. And if you'd like to check out more of her work, you can do so at www.clarehedin.com. That's C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N.com. We'll be back shortly.
And welcome back. You are listening to Code Connection. My name is Jesse Ann Nichols George, and I'm your hostess today. And you were just listening to a song by Claire Hedin called Dwell's Cathedral. And again, you can check out more of Claire's work at www.clairehedin.com. That's C L A R E H E D I N.com. And she's got a lot of great music, a variety of music, even very different from that, um, in there. So it's definitely worth checking out, as well as she does various. Uh, events and things like that in the San Francisco Bay Area. So today I have with me, though, Burl Benson Hall and Mary Stetson Hall, and they're the authors of Sophia's Web, A Passionate Call to Heal Our Wounded Nature. Burl Hall is an author, online radio co-host of Envision This, philosopher, lover of Sophia, mystic, and retired counselor. He writes with the editorial assistance of his muse and wife, Mary Hall, a retired teacher, author of Bringing Food Home, the main example, and that's Maine as in M-A-I-N-E, the state, <laughs> and co-host of Envisionist, which connects listeners to visionaries of a more resilient, equitable, and earth-friendly future. Together, they enjoy grandparenting, permaculture, gardening at their home in Sabatis, Maine, playing with their dogs, Sophie and Collie, and meeting with, and profiling the amazing visionaries they interview on the radio show. Um, we will be looking today at their work with Sophia's Web, and you can definitely check out uh, more of their work, where they blog, they post about their radio guests, and converse with people on uh, EnvisionThisMedia.com. And matter of fact, even uh, if you go over there, you can find out where they interviewed me not too long ago, and you can find out uh, what they had to say on that, too, and where, where we went with things. Burl and Meredith, I've got your mics opened up, and it's so great to have you here on Code Connection with me. I really appreciate you providing your time today to share your work with us. Well, thank, thank you. you. We certainly appreciate your giving us this fair time and uh, sharing your wisdom with us. And. You know, this is a really interesting book, I think, in a lot of ways that um, has come out with this work. And I I think it's, you know, it's it's right in alignment with a lot of what's starting to be shifted into and where we're headed. So um, I'm always interested in the journeys. And I would love for you to start off by sharing, you know, what, brought the two of you to to do this work, and and how did this work come about for you? Well, I guess I'll I'll start on that, and I apologize for the dog in the background. Um, (laughs) Well, what what started it was, I mean, there were were several things that led up to the book, Um, a lot of it starting really in in young childhood, and I'll, you know, I'll make this as brief as as I can. But uh, at the age of five, I used to believe and actually saw, I guess it would be visions as a sense, um, a woman. And uh, I just totally loved her. Um, And so, you know, she never said anything or anything like that. Um, But then as I I grew older, of course, the visions visions stopped. Um, But it it was interesting that when I was in, I guess, whenever we we were studying Greek mythology, when I heard uh, about Athena, and this this is actually a um, very important part of the of the theme of the book, 
And I automatically thought, okay, well, Athena Wisdom is is female because she conceives thought. Um, and that that's how I looked at it. And what that what that wound up being, and there was a Hebrew author, and I God, I can't remember his name, but he wrote a book called God is a Verb. And you know, when I when I came across that book, I automatically realized that you know my intuitions as a as a kid were very very true so instead of god being a noun so to speak i really saw god and you know ultimately sophia when the dreams began um as more verb than noun which and i which is really important in today's world where we have such divisive politics between male and female and, you know, between black and white and between this and that and, you know, we're, we're a warring society. And I think we need to pull those relationships together. But also with the book and with understanding Sophia and my reading of the various myths and scriptures throughout the world, including the Bible, um, that the goddess Sophia was throughout the world. I mean, you can go from Native American, for example, the, the Kogis Native Americans, um, which are in South America, the Carries Pueblo in, in California, to to the ancient Hebrews with Hakma Banai or Sophia and understand Sophia and uh, Sophia and uh, I can't remember the Greek term. Oh well, uh, but wisdom and understanding in the English translations of the Bible and Kali in the uh, Hindu, and you heard my dog barking, and we named her after Kali for, for the very reason that she barks so much. So that's that's a little synopsis of where I came about in the book. I um, became aware that Burl was in this world and became aware of an early version of, of his book uh, because I was drawn to the feminine divine and needed to learn more about it than I was being taught within my Episcopalian um, background. And I was uh, Googling Sophia and met up with Pearl and deeply impressed with a man, this man, my man, who um, who loves the, the feminine aspects of the world and the feminine aspects or, or face of, of God as, um, as clearly and as openly as he does. And once we... Matt and got together and married and so forth, I found that whenever he was writing, my mind would sink right in with what he was saying, and um, I was able to to add insights, add um, uh, layers to his meaning, and when you put it all together, it's very, very difficult to know where his voice ends and where mine starts and and vice versa. Um, but I, I've been drawn into um, 
his writing and to this book and um, continue to find it an inspiration uh, for my own writing. And I think that that's great that you were able to actually step in with him on this and to um, to open this door up through this process because it is definitely an aspect that we're seeing in the world where you mentioned, you know, we need to step away from the black, the right, the right, white, the right, right, the wrong, <laughs> you know, different polar opposites, so to say. And I, I think that we really are headed into this time of, of merging. And it's interesting because, to me, when I look at Sophia in the realm of the goddesses, she's a very gentle goddess, but there's also a lot of strength there. I mean, you know, she could give you a big kick in the rear end <laughs> when you need it as well. And it's interesting because of her softness, I think that she has not been out in the limelight the way some of the other goddesses have. I mean, certainly a lot of people uh, tapped into Kali, for example, for a long time, especially as we saw a lot of magical things coming out into the public view and and things. But Sophia, uh, you know, she's almost like the, in some ways, the, what do we want to say, the, the I don't want to really say behind the scenes, but she's maybe a less recognized or worked with sometimes goddess version um, like of Tara. You know, Tara, for example, is very out there. Kuan Yin is very out there in most cultures. And she's equally there with them. Um, but she, I think she takes a more sincere devotee. What would you say on that? Yes, I, th- I think so. And it, it's, it's interesting as you were saying that because, you know, wisdom... Wisdom was, you know, basically in the ancient Hebrew, I think Hakma Banai was was female. And, you know, I, I guess one of the things that I ask myself, and it kind of aligns with, with what you're saying, is, you know, if God had no wisdom, where would we be at? You know, so, and I, you know, it's, it's really important that we get that, you know, that, that one or the other of the, the sexes are not, inferior to each other, but that they're working together, um, that it's not so top-down as much as it is a partnership, which uh, Ryan Eisler wrote, wrote a book about that, uh, the Partnership Society, and I you know, I think she's on, on the right track with that. Sophia speaks to me from, from deep within myself. Um, deep within, um, in a way, deep within my womb. Um, the, uh, the idea that we have a brain in our, what's called the lower Danqian, in, in the area that I, I connect with, with the womb, seems to me to make a great deal of sense. And often 
I will feel that I've been inspired by Sophia and that she's speaking to me. And then this this doubt voice will say, you know, that's just you talking. You're you're um, projecting your your own wisdom. And luckily, Burl has helped me to see that that isn't an either or thing. That it's a both and that the wisdom is both Sophia's and mine, and that Sophia speaks my language through me just as he she speaks Earl's language through Earl, or um, or your language uh, through you, Jesse. Um, and so you're right; she, she's she can kind of be hidden. Because uh, because she's the inherent the the indwelling um, goddess. Yes, and I think too a lot of people they'll draw to the goddesses automatically or the gods automatically that help them with the outer world <laughs> before mm-hmm. going to the ones that require that deeper inner work. Which Sophia is definitely that deeper inner wisdom in there. And um, you know, I, I like where you're you're taking this because you know, we we so often try to separate things um in mm-hmm. life. And I like to always use the analogy of a of a coin. You know, we have two different pictures on a coin. And we could say that there's only one side or there's only the other side, but there isn't. They're joined. They make one coin. And one side of the coin isn't right and the other side of the coin wrong. <laughs> They're mm-hmm. part of the yeah, same right. thing. And, yeah, and in, in one... At... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say in line with that, you know, even when Christ, you know, I mean, it's worded a bit differently, but when he said, you know, don't uh, judge, otherwise you're judging yourself, it's kind of the same thing. I think one of the things we do in our, in our culture, and I think it's a very important point, is that we see in dualism, so we see male and females opposites and opposites as being um, contrary to each other, in, as in opposition, whereas actually opposites are mirror images. And I think when 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 Christ and uh, you know some of the other great uh, Speakers, you know, talked about don't judge, otherwise you're you're judging yourself. Is is it's more than a statement about being nice. It, it actually reflects cosmic um, process, you know, male, female, and and so on. Um, so I think that's one thing that we really have to challenge in ourselves is is this notion of opposites, because otherwise we're going to remain stuck in war and, um, you know, top-down rule. And, you know, I'm not debating that top-down isn't isn't necessary. For example, you know, if a kid's going after a hot iron or something, you want to say no, you don't sit there and speak to him. Um, But at the same time, we also have to have a more bottom-up approach. Um, Mm -hmm. And we have to admit that the... We have to accept that the two are one. That's one of the wonderful right. insights of um, of quantum physics, that right. the wave form of being, the verb form of of being, the Sophia form of um, of wisdom, 
is always there. And then the particle form, the the Mary form, the girl form, the um, Jesse form, um, is also there and is one and the same thing. It is, you know, is a um, holograph of, of the um, of the wave, and both of them coexist, just uh, just as infinity and time coexist, just as I'm sorry, eternity and time and infinity and space. Um, you know, they're they're both true, and but we taught in over the last five or six thousand years of conditioning to to see and honor either or. Instead of um, of both and, I think this is a really interesting concept and aspect that you're bringing up here because, as you're talking, I, I've been listening and I've been doing some pondering at the same time, and we know about this coexistence and to realize that when we get these channeled messages, when we get these. Uh, goddesses that we work with along the way and the gods that we work with along the way, uh, they really aren't outside of ourselves, as you say. They're they're all one and the same. They're, they're an aspect of us. We're an aspect of them. And I think that where a lot of people get trapped in all of this is because here we are sitting in a third-dimensional energy world, and in order for us to understand that fullness, it's like it gets divided down here, it, it, you know, and, and it'll just, uh, we, it, you mentioned the holographic images that we actually delved into last week with Augie Nose, who's on the show, and he's talking about the parallel timelines and how we, our existence is really this holograph aspect um, for this understanding, so it makes sense to me that as we enter this world, this separation occurs between the masculine and the feminine, between our inner and our outer self, in a sense. And we we do that so that we can see it, so that we can experience it, so we can grasp um, a, a, another layer, another depth. You know, on one hand, our soul does this, but it it, it also, I think, we get the splitting when we enter this realm specifically so we can be reminded that we have all of this in us. But our third dimensional self doesn't tend to take it all in as a whole. What are your thoughts on that? You're reminding me of one of my favorite quotations from um, Sophia's Web, where Burl says, we catch epiphanal glimpses of the infinite in the here and the eternal in the now. And it just seems to me to be so true. Um, And it in some ways collapses um, time and space into, um, into infinity, into eternity, and vice versa. And I also think, you know, people uh, talk about transcendence and all that. You know, I think it, that's important. But I think a lot of times people say that's negating the world, and I'm not convinced of that in terms of 
Now, I remember this this one dream I had with Sophia where we flew above the earth. And what I saw in being in that out of out of out in space uh condition was being able to see the wholeness. It's kinda of like if you if you go to the top of a mountain and you look out and you see all the other mountains and you see see the patterns to them. I I think that's the important thing for us to to realize is get out of our day-to-day stuff, and that's that's where the opposites, including the opposites of, of male and female, come together. Because even even the mountains, for example, if if you if you take the formal mountain as as being the male and the and the and the valleys as being the female, you can't have one without the other. I mean, there you know it's 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 a constant intercourse, and you know with with male and female, I see it as inner and outer um, due to the construction of our genitals. So. Uh, you know, I, I think again. You know, when when we look at opposites, we need to see mirror images, and that also goes in terms of our politics and that sort of thing. Um, our politics. You know, you you get this drama show of of left and right, and Republican and Democrat, and so on. Whereas actually, you know, if you, if you jump above the system, you you see them as as a united whole. Not necessarily friendly. <laughs> But at the same time, they're still, you know, uh, uh, you know, they're they're like the two waves on the same ocean. And that what what well, we need to do is is change the current. That's that's true. They're they're two they're two arms of the same body. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, right. And I yeah, like left and right. Girls, I, I like that you and that's why they call it the left and the right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. I I love that you brought up about the masculine and the feminine being the inner and the outer because so many times we only look at it in the realm of a physical body, sexual, you know, piece that we brought in. You know, you're a man or you're a woman. And we don't stop to look at it from the energetic aspect a lot of times. But the masculine, and you know, every woman is going to operate under masculine energy at time and every man is going to operate under feminine energy at time um you know that's part that's just part of the world i mean we all do certain things that are caring in the world we all do certain things that are active in the world so i think that that's a really great piece and and mary has also brought up the aspect of there being a brain <laughs> basically a brain in the womb um, and, and I think this is another important piece to the direction we're headed because we've been thinking from this very logical mind in society, which is the masculine mindset um, or the masculine brain. And, uh, and now the thinking is going to come from what we would say the womb space. It's going to come from that creative energy. It's going to come from the nurturing energy. Um, Instead, it seems like. Well, yes, it, it's it's also the evolving energy in terms of if if you look at the way a fetus forms, for example, in utero, um, it it you know there's not an external hand that's creating that baby. It, it's basically unfolding from the inside out. Mean, and the way that I see is that is that Sophia is the process of nature. Um, you know, in Taoism, you call it the way. Um, 
and that that to me is also something that we need you know in order to really start bridging everything you know we we do need to start looking at how things are process oriented as well as uh noun oriented um you know male and female being man and woman but also in terms of um you know how we go about our date you know for example I'm conceiving these words which is a feminine function your words as a woman are actually being seminal to to what I'm saying if if that makes sense and that that's how the verb thing you know it becomes it becomes a dance um it's quite beautiful once you get to it you know I'm I'm speaking to it in an intellectual way but it's I, you know, as, as as I was saying that, I just got the image of uh, ballerinas, or not ballerinas, but ice ice dancers, and you know, I think that's the beauty of it. I I like that you brought up the aspect of unfolding from the inside out because that definitely is the natural process of things, and when right. people are on a spiritual journey, when they're making this connection like you did, girl, with, with Sophia and like you did, Meredith, with Sophia, uh, you know, the, it doesn't it doesn't uh, unfold as long as we're focused on what everybody else is thinking and how the rest of the world is perceiving us and when we're worried about, you know, what new car the neighbor got or things like that, it unfolds for us. We get the big whoa, the big wow, um, when when we start inward and and that's that's where the the big stuff is you know as you say as you were talking girl I was I was envisioning you know all of nature it starts within the seed you see this plant come up but it starts within the seed it starts within and then merges without you know a baby right. chick starts within an egg and then it comes outward uh, so I think that's a great thing that you brought up thank you. Well, and I have to remind. I have to remind myself um, not to judge the people that are, you know, that are thinking on the level of, you know, what's my next new car and so forth. Is what you you just brought up. Um, thinking in the in the old paradigms of of our culture. Um, not to try to duel with them. Not to try to. to, to Try not to judge them, but rather to listen and find the seed of the of the new way of thinking. Find the seed of the yin that lies in the heart of everyone, and and nurture that um, that seed. Bring it bring it forward. Not to tell them that they're wrong, but that um, but that. They have within them other ways of um, of seeing if if they're praised for it, if they're encouraged. Yes, absolutely, and I think I think that's a an important piece to bring up as well, uh, because so many people they have been trained to get that nurturing through something externally. And and the really, when we look at the bigger scope of things, not a lot of people have had the exposure or the the training or the guidance to to go inward for that. You know, the, um, 
and to find that real nurturing. And ironically, most people who are, and, and I have no judgment against, <laughs> you know, whatever somebody wants to get out there in the world, you know, it's a, it's a world that we're meant to play a little bit and have some fun and enjoy some things. But, uh, you know, through a lot of those things, oftentimes we're seeking a certain level of nurturance. We're seeking a certain level of connection. And, yes. uh, and of it, compassion, you know, which is one of your favorite words, as I remember. And compassion, absolutely. <laughs> you know that's my key, key thing in the world is, is compassion. And when we look at it that way and we say, wow, that person, you know, it's not just about a car. It's, you know, it's about there's something else there that's feeding them um, in that process or that they're searching for and looking for. And, and to conceptualize that fact that a lot of people, you know, have not had that opportunity to make that connection. Now, you know, Burl, you mentioned that in the title of the book, right up, you say that Sophia's love is a call to heal our wounded nature. And I know you've touched a little bit on this, but I'm going to give you a whole lot of information to run with, and you can just talk away because <laughs> you've touched okay. on it a little bit, but I'd love for you to elaborate. And what do you mean about our wounded nature? Because I know there's some people out there that are going to go, whoa, 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 we're not wounded, <laughs> you know, okay. um, yeah. and are resistant to that a little bit. And, and also to expand a little bit about um, Sophia coming to you, and, you know, maybe a little bit more about some of the journey you've taken with her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um I tell you what, I do have Alzheimer's, so you know, I'll be upfront with that. Could you repeat the first part of that? I'm sorry. Yes, that's okay. So the first part, let's yeah, let's break it down a little bit. The first part yeah. in the title of your book, you have um, that it's a call to heal our wounded nature, and mm-hmm. you know, I would ask you what you mean by our wounded nature, in a sense, because there's a lot of people that term wounded nature sends up red flags saying, no, 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 we're not wounded. Um, mm-hmm. So I wanted you just to elaborate on that a little bit of what that means for you. Well, that that's a real important piece because, you know, we, we've seen we, – there's actually two primary ways of finding nature. One is nature as essence. So if I say the nature of Mary is to be kind or the nature of dogs is to be in the middle of shows, um, then, you know, I'm saying something about their essence, um, you know, what they're more able to able to do. But, uh, you know, it also entails um, a woundedness of this planet um, as evidenced by, you know, the, the high rates of extinction which have, really gone off the off the map from what I understand from some of the stuff that I've read. And it's it's pretty spooky. I mean we're we're destroying the planet and in so doing, you know, it's it's something I mean the relationship of ourselves to the planet is the very same relationship that a fetus has with its mother. If mom dies, you die. And, you know, it it, it amazes me that we can't can't get that and you know instead go after our um you know growth growth without end 
scenario from the corporations and that sort of thing. I mean, we we really need to get a grip and take a look at what we're doing. Um, I mean, I relate to processing. You know, my wife is going to get angry with me, but I relate to process to cancer, which is which is unlimited growth. And you know, we need to you know we need to be um, creating a um, uh, you know, a healing from the inside out of that and and really start seeing ourselves as being participants in the planet, not not the kings of. Does that make sense? Well, also, we can't go on seeing nature as um abstract resource that we have the right to mine or cut down or strip in in any way we want to. We Gaia really is a living planet. I I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think that's it is a wonderful metaphor, but it's also a a, a very deep truth. And um if in so far as we rape our mother, uh we certainly wound her, but we also wound ourselves. We cut ourselves off um from from nature, from each other, and um, and isolate and compete, and um, in in doing so, we we damage wound ourselves because we um, because we're making it impossible to for ourselves to meet one of our most essential needs, which is to belong, um, to belong with, to belong to, to belong in, to be a part of, to participate. All of these things are crucial. And if we if we continue to be competitive, if we continue to um, be hierarchical, um, if we continue, for that matter, to live in apartments, um, we we are um, we are wounding ourselves, and we are wounding our earth, and it's getting to a point where um, she's not going to be able to sustain us if we if we continue on on that path on on that journey and yet she loves us um i mean think of, of what a, a a wonderful creature we are on on the earth um if if we would only understand that we are part of it rather than apart from it and as mary mary said that i you know one of one of my favorite uh um, teachers is Meister Eichert, who was a 13th, I mean, 14th century uh, Catholic mystic, who said, "When we look into the creature, we see God and nothing else." And, and you know, when he said creature, he meant the birds, the bees, the trees, and, and the entire planet. And I think, you know, that's something that we need we need to get back to is that. Um, you know, and it, it goes to the holographic theory where everything mirrors everything else is that we, we've got to reclaim a relational um, a- 
attitude towards the planet rather than divisive. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough nut to crack because, you know, we, we, you know, we get caught up in these drama shows. I mean, you know, you just watch a football game for one time. Um, You know, I mean, it's entertainment. And, you know, unfortunately, the entertainment, you know, when it comes to the political and, and business levels, the corporation levels, it, it, it's killing us. And, you know, like I said, the extinction rates have gone sky high, and it's because of our, our behavior. Yes, and, you know, the interesting thing, too, when we look at this piece in connection to your work is nature is the feminine energy. So if we destroy the feminine energy on the earth and we're only left with the masculine, what we're going to have is we're going to have people getting more and more aggressive. We're going to have people caring less. We're going to have more wars, more battles, more arguments, higher heat. We're seeing all of these things. And we've been in this patriarchal rule, if you want to say that, or masculine rule for uh, a couple of thousand years. And um, and it hasn't worked, you know. <laughs> We're running out of things right. here. And so and I, I, I go ahead. Yeah, I was. I'm. You know, I really think that we need to really look at what are you know in terms of reproduction and that sort of look at what are the really functions of of, of both women and men. With women, I mean, you know, they contain in their ovaries. Uh, pretty much, I think right at the time of conception, this forms. Um, the eggs just stay there, and of course, during menstruation, they you know they, they're they're fleshed out. But you know, if one becomes fertilized by by sperm, it becomes us. So it's kind of like you know, and in, in the way that I see that on a universal level, you know, when when it when the Bible says in in one twenty seven, God created humanity, male and female, in, in his his image, I think that's what it's getting at. Because you know, in the ancient times, everything was more verb based than it is now. So what that's saying is that you know, God has both powers and both conceived and inseminated. Um, creation as as we all do i mean you know like for example your words as an interviewer can be very seminal and then i will conceive a response to it i mean it's it's a beautiful dance if you if you really get down to it and i you know i think one of the clearest books on that of course is is the Tao Te Ching, which gets into the dance of yin and yang so i I really think that we need to get you know get to that Verb process, and then because that really shows the relationship, and not as being opposites in terms of warring. You know, the war of the sexes. That's 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 obscene. I mean, who would be here if it wasn't for 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 the unity of of male and female? None of us. And and that you just spoke volumes with that right there, um, because. I think one of the big things is is that the masculine energy fears extinction because that's the way it functions. Mm-hmm. I've got to be at the top. I've got to be the best. Everybody else is going right. to go in order for you know me to survive. It's a me versus them mentality in the masculine right. energy. So 
until the masculine energy realizes that the feminine is not here to extinguish it, but as you say, work in this harmonious dance, and it is a beautiful dance. It is a relationship. And, um, you know, I think this is going to take a lot of Sophia energy <laughs> in this process because the masculine is is not comfortable in that space right now. They They have a lot of fear because they don't understand. The masculine energy doesn't necessarily understand the feminine. And it takes time for it to realize, like, oh, this is this is pretty cool, you know, getting this warm, loving mother-wife <laughs> uh, lover mm-hmm. embrace uh, is is really cool stuff that really actually feeds my masculine in in a way that I I like a whole lot better <laughs> than than aggressive energy space. So, but we're here to love each other and to recognize and affirm um, each other is is very, very clear just in our biology. I mean, we're the only species that mates face-to-face. And um, we're asked to really, truly, deeply accept each other into ourselves and um and allow ourselves to flow into into the other um and it seems to me like we have gotten away from that and that i think is what uh is the wounding and uh, we need to come back. In, indeed, you know, the whole earth makes love. Um, Burl has a f- favorite um, way of putting it that I sometimes get tired of hearing. But anyway, uh, Burl, about the uh, breathing of us and the trees. Right. right. Oh, yes, it, 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 it is a dance. For example, the trees... Um, breathe out oxygen, which we breathe in, and then we breathe out carbon dioxide, which which the trees breathe in. So, you know, again, if you if you change one part of this system, like you know, deforestation and all that sort of thing, we are actually going to eventually bump off. It's going to be ourselves. And of course, a lot of people are awake to that. Um, science, a lot of scientists, for example, get into, you know, the global warming issues and, and so on, you know, which is more than just cutting down trees. It's it's also spouting out um, chemicals in the air and that sort of thing. But, you know, we're, we're really facing, and actually we're going through mass extinction. It, it hasn't hit the human race as much as it has at some of the animals, and, you know, I was just reading the other day, and I can't remember the exact statistics, but the extinction rates have, have gone crazy, and they're they're calling this, I, I can't remember if it's the fifth or sixth major extinction, and it, it it's at our hands. It's, it's, it's spooky. Yes, it is spooky, and... Um you know, you talk about that extinction rate, and that is part of the whole 
balancing, you know, again, that's, you know, I think that kind of brings it around to why it's so important for us to open up and allow um, the feminine energy to come forward. It's not so the feminine energy can come in and dominate and take over uh, the world, so to say. It's about balancing because if we don't allow this balance, I think, to happen in the world, uh, be it within and without, you know, obviously the outer world is a reflection of our inner world and we're going to burn up on this planet. You know, we will see stronger aspects and the way she's going to balance herself is to try to bring in as much feminine energy, which is, you know, ice caps and other things that, <laughs> you know, are trying to melt and uh, and these different pieces. So, yeah, the extension and, and you know, we're, we're only in the chain of that process. <laughs> you know, we're we're just part of the, the chain of it all, um, as, as you say, because we're just we're just another species, really, uh, in a lot of ways on this earth. And Meredith, you brought in an interesting point that humans are the only species that um, do things face to face, sexually. Uh, when they they get ready to connect, and I, not that we always do it that way, but that um, certainly we have that ability to do things that way, and I think it is designed to show up as an equal. It is uh, an aspect of showing respect to the other energy. It's an aspect of showing um, connection, and um, and union, as opposed to, you know, other other ways. And what's interesting yeah. that I know when I've worked with clients along the way, and they've come to me and said, you know, we're trying to conceive, we're trying to conceive, we're trying to conceive. And I said, you know, you're operating way too much in the masculine. You're thinking it too much. You're putting too much pressure on yourself. You're, you know, trying all these things. You need to just stop and connect. And when you connect you'll be able to conceive. And I think that's a piece a lot of people miss, and maybe you have something to elaborate on in regard to that, because uh, we have to connect the masculine and the feminine. We have to be willing to nurture ourselves. It's not just about how tough we can be in the world. It's about we need to care for ourselves. We need to care for the earth. We need to bring in that love and that care and that compassion. And connect it, because if we don't connect the compassion and the loving and the caring, the feminine energy with action, you know, it's not just one piece or the other. We also are, and I don't know how this connects, but it came up in my mind, so it must connect somehow. Um, (laughs) We also need to allow the feminine energy because... As, as women, we are natural alchemists. We can turn our blood into milk when that is what is is needed. That is what the the child baby calls forth in in us. And um, as as we respond, and if we try too hard, um, 
like I often see new mothers, you know, fretting because they they can't let down their milk, or you know, um, they're they're afraid that they aren't going to be able to. And just in trying, you um, you create a blockage, you create a fear, you create a um, uh, a distress. Whereas, and the same thing with with when people are trying to conceive, I think um, that happens. Whereas when it just flows, when love flows naturally, um, then the female body creates this miracle, this miracle of birth, and also the miracle, as they say, of of um, of transforming blood into milk, which is the ultimate alchemy. I think that's a really interesting piece, too, the alchemy part. And, you know, I used the example of a couple literally trying to conceive, but it could be anything that we're trying to conceive. And when we're, when we're really trying to force it out there into the world, um, it's almost impossible for it to happen, you know, because the more we try to force it to be, the more resistance there is. And that separates the masculine, the feminine energy that um, disconnects us, I would say, whereas when we allow it to come in, we just step into connection first, it automatically provides allowing, and, and that does require this connection, I believe, to the the feminine energy because it's the feminine energy that allows it that I'm willing to receive this experience or I'm willing to allow this to play itself out as it needs to because that will provide a certain amount of healing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that there there is something about surrender that and it's that surrender is necessary for the male as well as for for the female um and it it comes from all of us just as work comes from all of us just as um passion and um intention and getting out there and doing comes from all of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it, it does come around, I think, quite beautifully in there. Um, and, and I, you know, I have this quote that just kind of came up <laughs> from your book, um, because I, I have some of those here. And, and I want to pull one out here since we've been talking about nature and the holograph aspect a little bit because I find that very, very interesting. In it. And it says, the forest dream is not just revealing my personal web. It reveals a web that is universal. In its depth, the dream envelops or provides a holograph for all myths, religions, and teachings, manifesting throughout the variety of human cultures. In its universal universality, the dream defines a web that ties my personal experiences and dreams to the totality of nature. The dream's construction mirrors everything else. It is a revelation of Sophia and the beautiful web she weaves. Wow. Beautiful. 
and maybe maybe Burl can elaborate a little bit what the forest dream <laughs> was about. Well, it's I mean it's a total reframe. You know, it's as I was saying earlier, we you know we are in a very divisive mentality. We don't we don't see the interrelationship of everything to everything else. Um, and you know, I think when we when we go out on the earth, you know, when we go out, you know, we we have to look at what are we doing to ourselves. I mean, when, when you look at all the pollution and this, that, and the other thing, we always have to think. In my opinion, how does that mirror what we've become? You know, if you if you if you're looking at you know an inner city street or, or it's a river that's extremely polluted and stinking, you know, how does that relate to what we what we are? Um, because the world mirrors us and vice versa. Um, you know, our atoms, for example, in, uh, you know, are in the same relationship as stars are to empty space. Um, but, you know, again... You know, when, whenever we look at anything in nature, be it in, you know, the space or whatever, it, 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 we're always looking at ourselves in our depths. And likewise, what we think we are, we wind up mirroring in the world. So, you know, a lot of the destruction of, of nature and, you know, polluting the streams and that sort of thing you know, you can reframe it and be right on target when you say, well, streams and stuff are polluted because our brains are polluted. Um, you know, and I don't mean that to be cold or anything, but at the same time, we need to start challenging how we're looking at the world and how we're relating to it. Um, and, uh, you know, we need to, uh, you know, and rape is another another part of this because we're basically raping the earth and, you know, it's, we need to stop and start, you know, again, looking, looking, and I, Ryan Eisler's words, the partnership society, I think needs to go uh, towards the, uh, our relationship to nature. We have to start seeing ourselves as partners with her and not um, the rulers over. And, uh, you know, we're we're here just to, steal her um her resources i mean that you know it's it it boils down to um a rape really i mean we're raping our our planet and um you know i think with all the violence in the world not you know against women but also you know in terms of destroying other you know bombing other countries and this that and the other thing you know they're all forms of of the same thing I'm, hopefully I'm making sense. You know, it's a very interesting that you bring that up. And, you know, you talk about the streams being polluted as equivalent to our minds being polluted. Uh, you know, when I look at symbolism, the, the streams are part of the waterways, which are part of our emotional levels, and it's really our emotions that are polluted, you know. Um, yeah which is an interesting concept because emotions are not just this nebulous feeling. It comes back to the whole verb piece that you were talking about before um, because they're, they're thoughts and actions uh, when we get into emotions. 
and um, we need to we need to look at that and say, you know, what we're feeling and the way we're moving has got polluted. It's gotten distorted. It's gotten I don't want to say damaged, but it's it's had a lot of junk thrown into it, <laughs> and yeah, it, it needs to get cleaned up. Basically, yeah, it does. Um, it does, and for us to cure the, you know, to cure the uh, the destruction of the of the planet, we also need to look at how we've been destroyed inwardly. And you know, again, that that brings back to the feminine because the feminine is is the within. Thus, the term psyche is is feminine. Um, and you know, again, I'm conceiving these words and. You know, when, when you look at standardized education and assembly line mentalities of the corporations and, and this sort of thing, that, that's exactly what they're what they're stifling. You know, they're they're stifling that from the within to the without function. So you know, it's the, the whole thing is much more than just women and men. It's also inner and outer in the destruction of. Or the control over creativity. You know, if you can't make a billion bucks on 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 your music, for example, then you know you're not you're not doing well. But at the same time, it's the creativity that's going to see us through. If, am I making sense? I hope. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and yeah, go ahead, Mary. The good news, I think, is that what we need to become what we need to change or evolve into is what we most deeply already are. Mm-hmm. And so every little step we take in the in that direction um, is amplified by the fact that we're actually then manifesting our own true nature. We're not imposing something on ourselves to be something different than we are at heart, than we are at soul, than we we are as as a society. The the fact is that what we need to become is already here within us. And that makes it for me at least a little less scary that um that we seem to be violating it so badly. It, it's very true, and, and you know that comes back to some of the DNA pieces um, that we already are. <laughs> this amazing, harmoniously balanced, giving, receiving, um, sharing energy, mm-hmm. uh, meeting each other face to face, and you know yet. We keep trying to separate and be something else, and uh, you know the key, the key to things working, the key to the flow uh, is the creativity, and the creativity comes in the connection, uh, connecting within, connecting without, connecting on these multiple levels. I think in there, and of course the, you know we. We're talking about the streams being polluted, and of course, the streams and the waters also represent our inner self. So it's, it's telling us when we look in that outer world and we, we look at this this connection that you know we've got some deep pollution going on within us here. Um, but you you brought up the the word rape, and I found that interesting. I had to just kind of 
tap into the code of, of what rape is about. And I think you might have something interesting to share or to launch from uh, when I mention this because the energy pattern or the coding that goes with rape is strange fatality and accident. And if we look at that type of coding and we just look at our world, how many strange fatalities and accidents do we see happening around the world? Like all of a sudden a tornado hits out of nowhere, all of a sudden a hurricane is hitting when there wasn't supposed to be any hurricanes in the region. Um, You know, we could blame this on heart. We could blame it on all kinds of things. But the reality comes down to the reason behind it, whether harp or anything else is the catalyst of it, is because we are raping the land. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, um, and and we're going to keep seeing these strange things come up, I believe, because that's the well, we, that we're choosing to be in. We, we certainly it. will, because Gaia has... Gaia is a self-healing, um, self-perpetuating uh, organism, just the way just the way we are. And if um, if we act like a, a cancer, then she's going to act. But she knows she knows in our her heart that we belong. And if um, if we can just let ourselves be who we inherently are, um, we can undo much of the damage that, um, that, that we've done. Yeah. It's important. As, as Mary said that, I think the key is if we want to save nature, we need to become natural. In other words, more founded, grounded in ourselves. Um, and that kind of speaks to, you know, letting go of the dogmatic external uh, power structures. And again, you know, I, I don't mean that we don't need top-down. Um, for example, if a kid's ready to jump into a fire, you want to grab a hold of him and, you know, haul him back. Um, but at the same time, you know, we don't need people under the thumb of government and corporations and, and so on and you know allow people to to thrive in their you know in their communities um, and I think that's one of the things we need to get back to is that we need to go beyond the you know the corporate driven world and in, instead become more community oriented uh, community you know, also means communal and meaning, you know, relational. And uh, I, I think that's that's the key word. It's that we need to really look at life relationally and start seeing how everything fits together rather than using the divide-and-conquer mentality. That's a, a really good point, Pearl, too, Um Realizing that interconnectedness of Sophia's web um, is part of all of that interconnectedness or a big part of what you talk about in the book, um, Sophia's Web. And when we start realizing that 
nature is us. Gaia is us. Um, you know, and, and so many people will come. And, you know, being in the kind of Midwest region, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, well, that's not affecting me, you know, or I'm not hurt by that, so it doesn't matter type of mentality. And in reality, we are. You know, we are hurting ourselves in this process. Every action we take towards destruction is is hurting our our mentality. And I think it's kind of interesting. You you also mentioned um, coming back to being natural. Uh, a way mm-hmm. to save na- nature is to become natural again. And natural is very interesting because... A lot of people, I think, have forgotten that. There's there's an energy within being natural that is sometimes referred to as a fool's paradise. In other words, it's such a happy, blissful place that people don't look at, <laughs> you know, the danger that's around. Uh, this is kind of the Garden of Eden. It was so blissful and so happy, but here was this little piece of danger that was in there, and I know there's lots of things that could spiral off of that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, prior to, uh, you know, we we awaken within that danger a lot of times. And so I think sometimes people get afraid to be in that natural state of being, which is a natural state of bliss. It's a natural state of being able to enjoy things and having an abundance and not having threats to basic needs in the world. Yeah, I yeah I agree with that, and I think regarding the Genesis story, and I I think it's one of the most beautiful and some oftentimes most misunderstood book going is that you know what it what it speaks to is our alienation from who we are from our nature, and uh, you know that's something you know I I I even get the idea of of writing a, a you know a, a second Genesis kind of kind of story uh, where, you know, Adam and Eve start getting together and, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, the the story I think really did target on a historical movement that occurred, oh, God, what, six to 10,000 years ago probably, um, you know, in terms of going from hunting, gathering cultures into agriculture and, and civilization and I think that story marked that that transition and you know it's it's a it's a beautiful story when you get it um, and I you know I think we really need to look at it and look at those deeper deeper messages and there are other people that have written about that for example Eric Fromm in his escape from freedom really got into a, a good uh, analysis of that of that story. And as you're often saying, Burl, the scriptures aren't something that's just about however many thousand years ago. They're mm-hmm. alive in us now. We are are living the the stories of of mm-hmm. all the um sacred texts. I also don't want to forget to say if we've interested any of the listeners in um, in reading Sophia's web and learning more of um, the thinking about this, it is available on Amazon and also it 
is available at our website. And um, if you were to um, contact, use the contact form on our website, um, we would give you a both a discount and a signed copy. The website is um, en- uh, envisionthismedia.com, and there's a page there just specifically for Sophia's web. Great, and I, I'm glad you went ahead and put that in there and, and gave people that opportunity to to do that because there's uh, uh, you know, this interconnectedness and this this journey of girl from a young child and learning to delve into uh, what to call this energy that was working with him <laughs> from a child and, mm-hmm. and being able to explore and open up to the name Sophia and uh, the different dreams that came along. I think there are definitely things in there that people can relate to along the way. And uh, I know that one of the big principles which plays hand-in-hand to what we've been talking about uh, today on on the show deals a lot with the microcosm and the macrocosm of the universe. And, and Meredith, you were just bringing it up that, you know, our, our state we created and we're interconnected through all these stories and these characters and they still live through our DNA and they still carry forward and we're the result of some of those choices. And, uh, you know, what's interesting, I think, too, Carol, when you talk about the chapter of Genesis, and I, I always find the different stories that come about regarding that story interesting to explore, is that, yeah. you know, the masculine and the feminine were united right. prior to taking the temptation or exploring the disconnection. And mm-hmm. I I think there's a whole interesting piece in there that it was almost like you know, there was there was such a beautiful bliss in this mm-hmm. this kind of euphoric state. And then you know, and then there was a need to explore what it was like to be without it, almost in a, kind of along the lines of when we lose something in order to be able to appreciate what we had. And I think yeah. that now part of this full awakening and reconnecting with the earth and taking care of the earth, I mean, we were placed on this earth to care for it, not to rule it, not to govern it, not to dominate it, but to care for it. And that's a really big thing that I think that that fits in to what you put out there. And and in this caring, I think what we do is we find our way back, not in a regressive way, but we find our way back to connection. Yes. Yeah, and the way the way that I like to put it is that we need to go from being, uh, you know centered on being particles and instead being participants. Um, not that there's an either or, but, um, you know, it's kind of, you know, I, I, in the book, as you, as, you, as you know, I get into some quantum physics to, to, to support my thesis, but that's exactly what what they found in a lot of those experiments is that, you know, particle and the wave are really not two things that, 
and it's a point of observation that we um so it did so it's you know the verb becomes a noun so to speak um it's it's fascinating I, god almighty i could talk all night about this stuff so. what's fascinating too is that the journey that you share of your personal experience of becoming open to Sophia and to the dreams that she she gives you, you also make very clear in the book is is not just your journey. It's it's right. a journey that you're inviting all readers, all humans, all all beings to um, to sh- share in, and each have. Each have our own um, diverse and unique ways of experiencing it, and yet all coming together with it in the end. Right, we're all participants in the uh, never-ending story, which was was a movie put out a while back. Mm-hmm. But also, if you think about the Bible, the literal translation of it is the book. And what's the book about? It's about us. Um, and that's that's where we need to really start getting at our stories and our myths and really start seeing ourselves reflected in, you know, in, in those stories. And, uh, you know, whether it be biblical texts, text, Hindu or, or Taoist or whatever, um, we we need to see our brother and sisterhood in in all of these um, things because they ultimately do relate, and that's one of the major themes that I wanted to get across in, in Sophia's web is that you know when when you really look at the various religions to science, there is this holographic and holographic meaning the the, the part contains and mirrors the whole um, a pattern to to everything and so you know when when jesus christ says for example um don't remove the smoke from your brother's eye unless you remove it from your own to me that's exactly what he's talking about um in or in the old testament judge not least you be judged i you know i think it it's speaking to the holograph and it's it's basically saying if you point your finger at blaming somebody be it left or right um, you've got a three-pointing back at yourself. And I really don't think that that way of our, um, the way our hands are, are, are created is, is, is an accident. I, I actually think that, that nature, nature God, um, created us in that same way. So hopefully we would get that when we're pointing a finger and blame towards, um, you know, the Republicans, the Democrats, and so on, and we got three back at ourselves. In other words, we're the ones that, that can change things. Mm. Our anatomy is is, like is a synchronicity with our with our right. spirit. Whether whether we like it or or not, when we're blaming somebody else, we're blaming ourselves. Exactly. <laughs> we're just oftentimes exactly. not seeing that piece where we're blaming ourselves. And I I think that you know this touches on when you talk about your personal journey being everybody's personal journey in a way. Um, so many times people say, how do I make this impact out there in the world? I said, you take care of yourself. Because mm-hmm. yeah. if you take care of yourself, you automatically, through that God gene, through 
uh, the way particles and things like that will automatically stir that in everybody else. You can't feel love without triggering a feeling of love to everybody. And that's a pretty amazing thing to think about. It is. It's a it's a wonderful one of the wonderful um, oh I don't know synchronicities of, of of the way the whole thing is designed. Yes, and that synchronicity is amazing. So it's like really that's all we have to do. I want to bring up one more quote in here, um, in and uh, from the book, and I think that this is interesting because it deals with perfection. And a lot of people struggle with that. They want to be perfect. They, they, they are very in tune with what isn't perfect in themselves. So here's the quote. It says, how often do we browbeat ourselves for not being perfect? What is perfect except conforming to an externally imposed model? And how many young girls become anorexic or bulimic because they are brainwashed into bleeding they have to have the perfect body defined by commercial propaganda. Why can't they allow their true beauty to unfold? Why can't all girls be recognized for what they are, goddesses, the beginning and end of all things? How many men miss the richness of a full relationship because they cannot allow themselves to feel and instead think they must be in control at all times? Why can't they allow themselves the vulnerable richness of emotional depth? Why can't men be recognized for what they are? God, the passionate arrows of creation. It's a great quote. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you. That is beautiful. And it resonates deeply. Go ahead, girl. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, again, it reinforces that, you know, we are the never-ending story. Yes, and and I think in this quote it's so good because it also drives home that, again, that beauty is within us, and it's about letting that unfold to the outer world as opposed to this standardized version that you've got to have a ton of makeup on your face, you've got to be under a certain weight, you've got to do this, got to do that. And I think that this is one of the biggest keys to our evolution, to our breakthroughs, to raising the vibration on the earth. Mm-hmm. And that is to see the goddess and to see the God in everybody. And when you look at your partner and you allow yourself to have that level of relationship with people, it's beyond what most people can imagine. And that's where we get to the true euphoria, that true divine bliss living space. Mm -hmm. Yes. Beautifully stated. Thank you. I, I love those pieces because I love... I love the passion. I love the union. And, you know, that's really where I think we feel our self-worth is in that quote mm-hmm. there that you, from the book, because it's when we allow that level of connection that we truly feel loved, that we truly feel embraced, that we truly feel seen for who we really are, not 
for the clothes we wear or the job we work or any of the other stuff. And I wish that more men and women were taught that principle, that one particular principle right there. And I agree. I agree. Um, we need to discover ourselves. Yeah. We discover I, ourselves know, like, and we discover each other and we discover us. You know, and, and community, it's its like it all opens up once we, uh, once we become willing um, to love, once we become willing to trust, once we become willing to look for the abundance. Um, and this, the, scary, the scary thing about that is that it entails our, our, our stripping ourselves of the proverbial a fig leaf, and being who we are in our in our essence. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You have a great line in you have a great line in the book where you say, "Fear not, for in in your nakedness, in the nakedness of your truth, you will discover your great power and beauty." Mm-hmm. And and I think that that is great because when we understand our truth. You know, again, we're going to be able to embrace our own divine self. We're going to be able to see that in everyone and everything and in every situation uh, that we encounter in this world. And whether it's a holograph or not, <laughs> I think it comes back to the, the same principle of, of connection and, uh, you know, being being in that wholeness, so to say, of it and, and not saying, you did this to me or, you know, I don't like you because you're not part of this. You you recognize the, the divineness that's within it. And, mm-hmm. and the more we were willing to recognize the divine energy within something, no matter what it is, the more we're going to bring that divine energy out. So beautifully, beautifully done. Um, share again with our listeners because we're kind of winding down here to the last few minutes. Uh, any events or anything you have coming up? I know you have your show Envision This Media. Um, share with people when that is and how they can connect with you. Um, any events or happenings or places that they can connect with you? Uh, well, we have we have an interview coming up Monday. With oh, I'm awful when it comes to names. Um, just a second. What happens um, when and you're then we have a, <laughs> And then we have an interview also coming up Thursday with um. Who is he? <laughs> Girl, help me. Um, <laughs> you're asking me. I've got all the papers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just a minute. It, I'll, I'll have them both in just a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's interesting how that happens because I find that the more I step into some of the stuff, the less I worry about remembering everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I prefer okay. to let it the, all just be kind of fluid. <laughs> the well, uh, actually, Monday in... The Monday interview is with Aurora Juliana Ariel, who is a um, a doctor and also a a 
and a healer, but also a mystic and uh, somebody who has just a wonderful view of um, of how we can make the shift into better thing and our interview on Thursday is with Andrew Harvey who is um, the most deeply um, spiritually based Christian I have uh, I have um, ever met interesting so okay so um so a couple of interviews coming up, and again, people can catch up with things that are happening at EnvisionThisMedia.com, and they can check out your book through there. They can check out what's happening with Envision This Radio, uh, those different things, and stay on top of all of that with you. You know, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show and having you share this work, which I think is, um, you know, definitely a piece of where we're headed and a piece of what what needs to be embraced in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Now we each yeah, we have our own way of saying it and hearing it. Absolutely. And uh, so thank you very much for your for your time today and uh, I've got a few things I've got to jump in here with <laughs> At the end of the show, well, thank a you. To have both of you on. Yeah, thanks. Absolutely. Thanks so much for this interview. I I really enjoyed it. You're very very welcome. And next week, I'm going to have on the show Ava Brown with me, and she's going to be discussing her work in overcoming excuses and situations. So it's kind of a great little fluid thing of not blaming others, and then how to overcome those excuses that we're trying to make in the world. I've also added events again for my True North tour which is now in effect, um, that is going to be happening in the early to mid-August, I'd say like second, third weeks of August going on. I will be making my first stop in Pottstown, Pennsylvania, and uh, that will um, be there with uh, Lorraine Cat Morris and her wonderful space there. Fairfax, Virginia will be teaming up with um, Woven Green, which is Ashley and Jim uh, cash, and we'll be doing a little soundscape meditation thing. They have a wonderful CD out on that. Uh, they they do a little gathering with meditation and music and things like that, which is wonderful. I'm going to be sharing with that and taking private appointments and sessions there. And then I'll be in Westford, Mass. Uh, at Aquarius Sanctuary in October. So a few places to catch up with me, and I'm looking forward to continuing to add. And you can always contact me and say, hey, I have a group of people I'd love for you to come out and speak with or to, to do an event with. I also have an event going on here at the Autumn Equinox here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and I'll be back here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota at Halloween time running an event. And what's really cool is these events that I'm running now on the weekends, even though they're tied in with the seasonal year, is uh, also going to include getting some code interpretation work done if you're participating in that. And it's very intense, and we, we will delve deeply into that, looking at your codes as well as being out in nature and enjoying the natural environment and that learning process and delving into really whatever is happening for you and how you're connecting with the world during those events. So it's exciting. It's wonderful. It's, um, some great opportunities there. And you can check that out as well as I just recently released a new video on the code interpretation. I also released a new monthly video 
that is out there on hope and inspiration. You can check all of those things out as well as the monthly specials on my website, jessianenicholsgeorge1.com. And a September special deal, by the way, is um, that you can receive the ebook version of You, Me, Life Dreams, which is my book on relationships, how to um, find and maintain your perfect relationship. And that's going to be for only $1.99. And just head over to the main homepage on my website and you'll find the information of how to take advantage of that. So that's a, a great opportunity. And what else do I have going on? I think, I think that's kind of the, head, uh, the highlights <laughs> of what's coming up there. And don't forget, we've got several shows here on Main Street Universe. Throughout the week, we have different things that are coming and going. We have uh, some shows that, that are being done once a month here, like Jim and Ashley Cash show. Janice is starting her own show. Some of you might remember her. She's the co-producer on our flagship show known as Main Street Universe. And she's actually going to be interviewing me on the 16th. I also am going to be doing a regular segment on a, on a show, which you can find all these again on my website, um, where I'll be talking about different codes and code interpretation coming up. About every three months I'll be on a show uh, as a regular um, guest there, as uh, well as Luella May is going to be doing an interview on me as well later this month, early October time frame. So there's lots of places to catch up with that as well. Tuesdays, of course, we have Susan Wee who shares her work in herbs and natural plants, still working her way through 13 magical trees in that. And we get Darren Bucher, who pops in every now and then with his spiritual insights. He's a reader at Madame Laveau in New Orleans. So lots of great things to explore and check into. Hey, this is Jesse Ann Nicholas George. And I want to thank you so much for being here today. And thanks to all of our listeners, not only on Blog Talk Radio, but those streaming live on Penn, known as Pair Encounters Network, Stream Finder, and Talk Stream Live and those catching our podcast at iTunes, TuneIn.com, and those catching the YouTube version of the show. I look forward to seeing you back here next week as we delve more into Code Connection. And don't forget, if you've enjoyed the show today, share it with other people. It's going to be available at the same link in our archives. And I am going to leave you with that same song um, called Yearning For, also known as Over and Over. It's by Shemshai, and you can check out their work through their website, www shimshai.com that's s-h-i-m-s-h-a-i.com thank you so much and I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on Code Connection may you enjoy the rest of your weekend and have a truly amazing week and if I could see what makes me blind I would soar to the edge of my mind and to touch what Seems unreal Just to show you The way that I feel And we are In time with time One with season Of change inside And we are In tune with the tune Caught in a balance Of sun and